Thanks for joining us today on the nateholdridge.com podcast. Hey, today we're talking about something really special and unique, and that is the connection between our comfort and the kingdom work of God. You know, most of us would probably say that we want to make a difference in this world, but oftentimes our schedules, home lives, social circles, and bank accounts wouldn't necessarily agree with that. And for a lot of us, it's because we seek so much control over our lives that we oftentimes don't make space for God to do something out of the ordinary with us. So the question is, will I allow my life to get a little messy if that means that God could use my life to produce something beautiful for the kingdom of God? And so that's what we're talking about today. Also, just a heads up, we tried a new way of recording this episode, uh, but Unfortunately, it didn't totally work out, so the audio that you'll be hearing today is from our backup microphone, but next week's episode will be back to our normal quality. So again, thanks for tuning in. Enjoy the episode. By nature... Do you find yourself to be more organized and methodical or scattered and passionate? Come on, bro. You know the answer to that question. I'm just saying like by nature, you know, like when Nate was like five years old running around, were you like organized and like thinking through things or were you kind of like passionate all over the place? No, man. I was just always a little thinker, (laughs) liked having my stuff just so, my clothes just so. (laughs) You know, I liked things to be in the right spot Mm -hmm. where they needed to be. Mm. My first day of school, kindergarten, I could still remember it. All right. Oh, yeah. I had, well, my outfit was dope. It was on point. It was on point. (laughs) I was rocking a cream colored long sleeve t shirt that had the Asteroids video game from Atari graphic screen printed onto it. It was awesome. But at breakfast that morning, something happened. Had a little snafu. Got some chocolate oh, milk no. on it. Yeah. With the first day outfit? First day outfit. Chocolate milk on it. And my oh, mom wow. just did not understand that that was unacceptable. <laughs> and so I was in a bad mood getting my, my first day of kindergarten started because that shirt was not just so. That's so funny. You weren't yeah. the kid who like got stuff on his clothes and was like, ah, whatever, let's just keep playing. You're like... No, this is a big deal right now. This yeah, exactly. Shirt. It's it's part of path. It's it now. So now it makes it hard for me to walk past a co- a coffee stain <laughs> in the church sanctuary without having a little bit of that. You have like a little bit of five year old kindergarten Nate kind of coming out. You know that is so funny. Oh man, I feel like I'm kind of a similar way. I used I used to always peg leg my pants in a very specific way. Oh yeah, I had one favorite shirt that was just like. This is it. I was like a minimalist before I was even like a thing. It felt like it was like my one shirt every day. But I was kind of the same way, organized and methodical. I, I feel like at least. Which is funny to talk to you about, you know, because this article, you're talking about kind of the difference between a clean manger or abundant crops. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's really interesting to read this from your perspective because I know you and um, it's funny hearing you respond to that question because I feel like I kind of knew what you are going to say. But... Although you're somebody who is more organized and methodical, I feel like you still do incorporate a lot of passion and devotion into your work. There's mm-hmm. this like 
kind of like positive duality that's kind of going on, mm-hmm. which I know is from just kind of a lifelong endeavor in your maturity and Christ and in ministry and everything. But um, it, it's interesting in this article that you're kind of comparing the two. There are people who are naturally more oriented towards the clean manger or abundant crops. Mm-hmm. And um, you springboarded this whole article from this one proverb that kind of talked about that. So before we get into your article, could you kind of talk to us about that proverb? Sure. Like, what, what does that say and how does that stick out to yeah, you? Yeah, it's one sure? of my favorite Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 14, verse 4, where there are no oxen, the manger is clean, but abundant crops come by the strength of the ox. I love that. So the idea, you know, of course, is real simple. And I, and I love the Proverbs because so often, just in one sentence, a choice mm-hmm. is offered to you. Yeah, what totally. do you want? You know, what life do you want to live? And so in those days, of course, the machine was the ox. Hmm. And so if you had oxen, it would help you with the plowing of the field, which would lead to the planting of seed, which would lead to abundant crops. So the idea that the, the, the author of the Proverbs has is that if there's no oxen, you know, if you don't have that machine, hmm. if that oxen is not there, if they're not there, then uh, you're going to have clean barns, clean stables. You know, they're not going to be in there doing what <laughs> oxen do. Um, but you won't have abundant crops. Yeah. Right. So abundant crops, he says, comes by the strength of the ox. So the inference is if you want abundant crops, there's going to be a little bit of mess Peace involved. The mess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. For sure. So, yeah, I just kind of was thinking about that as I'm teaching through the book of Proverbs in the uh, studio right. series that we have going on. And as I was going through that and got to chapter 14, you know, I just really was just thinking about my own life, my own heart, uh, thinking about our staff here for the church and the work that we're trying to do here. But I think it applies across, you know, so many lines of division you know it's not just a church leadership thing right it's not even just a uh, business leadership thing or educational system leadership thing i think it applies in the home it applies in marriage you know it's like anything that you want to see become fruitful the question is um are you willing to put up with the mess that is required to get there um yeah, I mean, you and I, we have a front row seat to how much, yeah, I don't want to be all dramatic about it and call it blood, sweat, and tears, yeah, right. but you and I have a front row seat to how much work it takes to to be able to do what we do oh, here yeah. in this body of believers in this church, you Absolutely. know? I mean, I think in every career, in every profession, it's good for... Um, a person to build in some percentage of margin into their schedule that is there for the unaccountable. You know, you don't know what's going to happen. You're going to need a little bit of buffer, but man, when you're doing pastoral work, you need even a little bit more, I think of that because you can have your plans and priorities and projects and things you're pushing forward towards, but because there's sin 
flesh, devil, world, all of that going on, there's times where, you know, the whole, the whole, your whole world can kind of just turn upside down, you know, real quick. And you got to be able to have some, you know, margin in there to be able to actually respond to it, you know. Obviously, if it's big enough, you just start canceling everything yeah. and you just turn your attention to that problem or catastrophe. But anyways, you know, the idea is if you want a incredible marriage, you know, you're going to have to, you're going to have to deal with the messy parts of really working towards that. You know, there's, you're not just going to have it without having difficult conversations yeah. without really getting into what's going on with the other person without hearing perhaps even at times painful things, you know, there's yeah. going to be sin that's confessed mm-hmm. from time to time. There's going to be failure. There's going to be grace that needs to be given. That is a messy experience. But if you want to have a fruitful, awesome, abundant crop kind of marriage, you're going to have to get ready for that, you know, reality, you know, yeah. here in the church, you, you want to have fruitful, services or gatherings or you want to see lots of people reach you want to make disciples it's going to be messy it's a messy experience you know Mm -hmm. it's it's not a clean uh, systematized kind of thing Mm -hmm. you know the workplace wherever i think across the board um you know anything worth doing it's going to be a little bit messy but there is this tendency within us to not we don't want that you know we want the clean the clean uh stable yeah yeah, for sure. That's good. I'm glad you talked about how this is for sure applicable, like in a leadership kind of instance, but it's also very applicable to home life, to um, whatever kind of vocation you're in and operating in. Um, this is kind of across the board. It's like kind of almost like a, an approach towards life in a sense. Big time. Yeah. I mean, like you, if you, if somebody says they want to raise a child, you know, mm-hmm. they want to have a family. I don't think anybody deludes themselves into thinking that that's not going to be a lot of work. You know, we all know that, Uh but it is messy work. And I mean, obviously it's messy physically, you know, (laughs) especially those first few years, you know, that diaper changing is, is a thrill, but you know, it's messy in that these are human beings that are, you know, not little robots that are going to simply just kind of grow up do what they're supposed to do at all times, you know, listen to and obey what they're supposed to listen to and obey, receive the faith that you, you know, just deposit to them. No, you have to roll up your sleeves and go through the hard work of tantrums and puberty and, and, uh, discipline and correction and Mm -hmm. teaching and grace and, you know, correcting the stuff that's in your own heart as you're going through all that. It's a, it's a very messy process, you know, For sure. and I think when people, uh, I mean, I see a lot of believers who treat their children as if they were born without sin and that sets you up for a whole mess of failure. Even if you theologically yeah. know that of course they're born with sin, but if you, if you just kind of practically kind of walk through life, like there's nothing to correct. Mm. And I mean, you know me, you know, I hate the line, like we, we don't do that. We don't do that here. We don't yeah. throw something at somebody's head. Right. You know, we don't do that. Like whenever I hear that, I'm like, who's we, man, I'm not doing it. It's that kid right there. And he does do that. You're saying we don't do that. No, he's doing it oh, man. in your face. He's doing it. 
Sometimes there's the mess of correction yeah. where they're going to look at you For sideways sure. like, who do you think you are? And yeah. they're disappointed with you. But would you rather have that clean relationship where they just always like you and you're like yeah. best friends with them and a non-fruitful child? Or would you rather have a child who grows up, they know right from wrong, they're able to do well, they're able to navigate uh, authority and, and all of that because they've been raised in that messier kind yeah. of way yeah. where those things were confronted mm. more often. You know, so yeah, I think it's, That's there's good. a billion applications of oh, this. This is so sure. great about the Proverbs. I know. I love these Proverbs, man. It, it's interesting to think too that clean, like this clean manger doesn't equate to good manger or uh, like just health, you know. Sometimes it's got to get messier before it can get cleaner or better. You know, that's kind of what it sounds like. So, mm-hmm. man, really cool stuff. You, you broke up this article, Nate, into three kind of bigger chunks. And the way you structured it, I really liked it. You talked about things that you would rather see as opposed to other things. I'd rather see this rather than this. And in this first part, you said, I would rather have open doors to proclaim God's word than a completely predictable calendar which I know pushes against your tendency to have the clean manger, which is interesting. So I wanted to ask you kind of specific to that question or to that phrase, do you structure your schedule to prioritize speaking and teaching opportunities? And um, kind of with that, can you talk to us about like the balance that you and your family have found in this? Sure. Yeah. I mean, every lead pastor is different, but usually in a church like this one about this size, the idea is that the lead pastor needs to, and this is what I do, yeah. needs to focus on prayer, mm. the word in the form of teaching and then studying to yeah. be able to teach writing mm-hmm. and, uh, and then some relatability with leadership and developing leaders, mm-hmm. you know, in the church. So, you know, kind of going back to the whole act six thing, you know, Mm. we must give ourselves, they said, to the word and prayer, you know, so that's a real big idea of, you know, for a lot of modern pastors, myself included. So I do structure, you know, my life in that way. I don't like saying like, that's the priority and then never making that a reality in my schedule, calendar, weekly rhythm. So... Um, you know, I remember reading the old, an old Baptist pastor from Texas who for 50 years served his congregation and taught through the Bible over and over again. And he said, mm-hmm. my mornings belong to God, you know, so I get up, spend time with him and then I'm in study. And then my afternoons belong to basically the, the team, the staff, the church, you know, yeah, kind yeah. of thing. And so I follow that same or similar rhythm and I have specific goals of, you know, each day, like this study block this is what I need to get done. This writing block this is what I need to get done. Uh, so I have specific goals for that, you know, throughout the week. And so for me, you know, when I, um, am invited for instance, to go to something that's going to take like three or four days to, to, of, of time, yeah, you know, to right. be able to speak and impart and, um, you know, love on a group of people for that period of time. It is a disruption to that regular commitment or flow that I've made. I mean, you and I, we're, we're getting ready to next week, 
we're going to go to Florida. You know, you're going to yeah. be my travel buddy and we're going to go to this youth workers conference, fly across the country to go do it. It's going to, you know, be a quick turnaround and everything, but it does disrupt. There's certain things that that week I won't be able to prepare. I won't yeah. be able to study. I won't be able to do. And then we'll come back and it'll be like breakneck speed of a bunch of other stuff with another conference where we're inviting people to come here and pouring into them for a few days. So, you know, the reality is like that, that is, that kind of grates against me a little bit for sure. You know, it's like, and, and, and even though I, as I'm kind of crafting, like this is my workflow and rhythm, I know in my mind, that doesn't mean that for 52 weeks out of the year, I'm going to do that. Right. And I'd much rather have a plan that I can then adjust than have no plan and just get nothing accomplished. Uh, but that doesn't mean that it's not hard at times. And I know that my personality is going to be one of the personality types that it is harder mm. for. Uh, just like there's plenty of people who would see the weekly rhythm that I have and they would just die, you know, thinking about the possibility of having to do that for yeah. even one day, let alone a week or a year, you know. Yeah. So we all have different totally. gifts and bents, totally. you know, that God has given us in ways that he's shaped us and wants to use our, our gifts and abilities, you know. But, but for me, you know, yeah, that's what I said. I'd rather have open doors to proclaim God's word than a completely predictable calendar. So when I am invited to go share, you know, things like that, I know it's going to be disruptive. I know that it's going to be hard. I know that there's going to be a cost to our church. A lot of times there's going to be a cost for my family. There's going to be a cost for my own just personal like energy and it's going to, it's going to expend something. And it's going, there's going to be a cost in my normal kind of flow. And there's going to be a cost in just like, I mean, it's hard, you know, there's <laughs> yeah. just some things that you do that are just hard. It's hard and you yeah. choose to do, mm-hmm. you know? And so, uh, but, but I want the fruit, yeah, you know, that's amen, the thing. Man. I want the fruit. I want the fruit. So even, you know, in those times, uh, you know, I'll go for it. So you are asking more like, okay, well, how do you, you know, how do you navigate that balance? I do have people in my life, you know, that, that, uh, include Christina, my wife, um, and a few of the pastors here who help me navigate my schedule That's good. and who will say when it's like, this is too much. Mm-hmm. And the reason that that's there is because when I'm invited to go speak at something like nobody's making me do that. I don't have to, you know, it's not like for a lot of folks, you know, the boss says, Hey, you're going on a business trip next Friday. You know, you're going, you can't go come back the next day and say, well, my wife said it's just feeling a little too much, you know, but for a lot of people, they are choosing it. You know, entrepreneurs, business Uh leaders, you are making that choice. You do have that, that measure of control on whether you will say yes or not. So I think if you are in that kind of position, that kind of job, it's good to have some people in your life that can kind of speak into, hey, you're killing yourself right now or you're killing us right now. Like that's yeah. just too much. So that's how I do it. That's I just good. have people and, and they kind of give me like a rough sketch of in an average year, this is when it starts feeling like it's too much. And so they've kind of mapped that out for me, you know, and so I'll kind of pace it, uh, pace it out, you know, that way. That's good. There's like that core team that kind of helps build in some accountability. It sounds like Mm -hmm. into that a little bit. That's really cool. Um, I think it's something we could all 
work towards building into our lives a bit as well. The second portion, Nate, you said that I would rather I'd rather have a devoted and passionate church staff than a professional and dull one. So, I mean, you and I, like you said, um, we get to experience a lot of church life here as we work at the church building and see people day to day. But, uh, you know, a lot of stuff like that happens at a church, like within a church staff, it, it involves tasks that kind of do lean a little bit more towards professionalism. You know, we have procedures, we have staff communication and meetings and we have calendars to-do lists all that kind of stuff so sometimes it can kind of feel like um maybe more of like a professional work environment although it obviously looks different because we are a part of church staff but i just wanted to ask you in the midst of all that what does it look like to have passion and devotion kind of in the midst of like the mundane of the week yeah for church staff sure I think the key there is that you still want to make disciples. Hmm. You know, you still want to do that work. You know, I mean, nobody, sure, you're going to have people that are passionate for graphic design. You know, you're going to have people that are passionate for the creative arts, photography, you know, music, you know, things like that. And these are things that are helpful Mm -hmm. in the body of Christ. But uh, when you lose the desire to see people come to Christ and you lose the desire to see them then mature in Christ, when you lose that, it just becomes a perfunctory totally. clock in, clock out, mm. get here as late as you can, leave as early as you can, do the minimum, you know, kind of experience. And, you know, nobody wants that. Yeah. You know, nobody wants right. that. And, you know, you could have... You know, the comparison that I'm using here, I guess I was being pretty, you know, just uh, personal in writing about this myself. But, uh, you know, as as I was thinking about it, it's just that, yeah, you know, the, the reality is that there are lots of skills that are very professional in nature that can be helpful in oh, yeah. in a lot of different environments, sure. including in a church world environment. And... But if, if you have all those professional skills, yet yeah, you are uh, not passionate, not you know looking to make disciples, not excited about wanting the success and growth of the body of Christ. Yes. I mean, I've, I've worked with people that sometimes feels like they're rooting against the church. You know, like yeah. it's just like, see, that didn't work. You know, or see, like, you know, that's not necessary. You know, and it just feels like there's this some people are just like that. They're like yeah. self-sabotaging people. They just root against any form of change, even the ones right. that are like, I don't know, biblical. You know, like we want to evangelize. We want yeah. to preach the gospel. We want to make disciples, you know. And and so uh, I, would, I would rather have people that are greener and, you know, less put together, still trying to figure things out, but yet passionate for the Lord, praying, personally devoted to Him, than folks who are very professional. Now, obviously, the 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 dream scenario is that I mean, you've heard of the four different types of people that are out there, right? I think I've talked about this before. There's people that are uh, high yield but high right, maintenance. Right. There's people that are low yield and low maintenance, and then there's people that are l- low uh, yield or or uh, low maintenance. And, but also high yield, that's the dream that's person. Right. <laughs> and then there's the, I, I'm, forget, I'm I'm messing them all up. I don't know if I got all four in there or not. But the idea yeah, is yeah, you yeah. want to be the person 
that is low maintenance. Right. So I am professional. I take care of my yes. stuff. Nobody has to show yes. me how to, you know, create a project list and a to-do list and, you know, execute a long range plan that's going to take lots of thought. Nobody, I, I'm able to do that now. So I'm low maintenance, but I'm high yield. You know, that's what we, that's what we all strive, Amen. you know, yeah. to be. So, you know, obviously that's what we want, you know, that's what we're, we're, we're working towards. But if given the choice between a yes. high maintenance, high yield person and a low maintenance, low yield person, I think I want the high maintenance, high yield person. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. I love just what you said at the beginning too, just that focus of making disciples will initiate that kind of like passion and yeah. devotion. Yeah. But it's a, at the same time, yeah, you do want like the low maintenance, high yield and the passion too. It's kind of both and right there. So that's like the ideal for sure. Thanks for kind of clarifying that. Um, at the end of the article, you said, I'd rather have a growing church than a church that has arrived, which is a, um, a really unique statement. And I wanted to ask what kind of church growth you as a pastor are looking for. And um, will that church growth ever lead to a sense of arrival? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think every church at every, at every next level or stage they get to, they feel a sense like we've arrived. And they might say in that body of believers, we want to reach people, we want to grow, but, but a lot of times people don't do the math on that and they don't realize that means that what I have now and the way it is now is not going to always be that way. Mm. And, and they don't do the mental work to realize. So in order for us to actually, you know, reach people in order for us to actually grow, there's going to be something that gets disrupted in my own Sunday morning routine, perhaps, or my Sunday night routine, you know, or, or, uh, you know, my, my group that I'm in, you know, take for instance, like a small group in a church. Well, it's like, if you have a great number two leader in that small group, it is going to hurt that small group when that person then launches out and begins leading oh, yeah, another sure. one, a different one without them. That yeah. is, that hurts, you know, it's hard to do. So we might say we want to grow, but then yeah. when, when that comes down to it and the decision comes down to it, you know, or you can't sit where you normally want to sit because, yeah. well, oh, your section is now full, you know, of people <laughs> yeah. or, you know, you can't park where you want to park or, yeah. you know, or, or here's a, I mean, those are funnier ones, but right. there are bigger ones of like, you're not in the position of leadership that you used to be in, you know, people, a lot of times in a local church think that the, it's like a first come hmm first serve thing like I was the first person to ever be the fifth grade teacher so it's mine as long as I want it wow yeah but that's not always the case right you know there are times where like things need to change you need to grow in your gifts and abilities and skills we're trying to refocus the way this you know thing is done so but when there's that feeling of arrival uh, it's just a real bummer you know, sure. in the, in the church. So, you know, I've seen this before. I've seen in churches where they're, uh, they say they're looking for a pastor who's got vision, who wants to really do stuff. Uh, but then you kind of really get into asking questions and getting into the guts of the, of the thing. And, and that's really not what they're looking for. They're yeah. looking for a maintainer totally. who wants to keep things 
as they are. Right. Um, so, you know, we recently talked to this fellowship about, you know, over the next five years, the possibility of growth yeah. and leading towards that, you right. know, and, you know, I try to spend 99% of my time, if I'm talking about growth, talking about spiritual growth. Yeah. But so it made it a unique day for us to spend some time talking about the numerical growth mm-hmm. that could lead to spiritual growth in people's lives, obviously, right. but then the numerical growth that is needed for that to happen in some people's lives. And so, you know, we walked through that and, you know, it's been great. Like we're, we're definitely growing numerically. It's not like explosive in the sense that we're like doubling in size every three months or right. something like yeah. that. But, you know, it's like what we communicated was there are certain things, you know, that are going to be a little uncomfortable, you know, <laughs> yeah. it, in order for us to, you know, for instance, like, I don't think God is going to bless us. Uh, new, and grow us numerically unless we have a really good security team here. I think in this day and age, that would just be irresponsible. Yeah. And so I praise God for the team that we have and the leadership that is there. Rad, yeah. uh, but I've even seen that even so far as they've been getting going, there have been some people who have discovered, oh, wow, that was more of a commitment than I thought. That's mm. harder yeah. than I thought, you know, because it's not, it's not as easy as coming to the 11 o'clock service and dropping your kids off and then leaving, you know, at 1230, <laughs> it's harder to serve yeah. at one of those services, you know, and, but in order for us to be able to grow, it's going to take that. So it, it's fun for me because, you know, I, I love when, I love when a body of believers is structured in a way to where it's going to be a group effort or it's not going to happen. You know, as opposed to a like dynamic leader that everybody's just flocks to, you know, kind of thing. It takes the whole team, you know, in when you've structured things like we have, you know, to be able to continue to to grow and and, uh, reach people and things like that. So, Hmm. you know, I love that, you know, like I'm thinking about our Sunday night service right now. You know, it's it's our third service of the day. Used to be our fourth back when we had a 730 uh, in the morning, small little service to kind of get the day started. But I remember, you know, when we got that going, you know, it was like, oh yeah, the Sunday night service, that's going to be hard. You know, <laughs> like, that's not going to be, it's not going to just be always yeah. easy. You know, you're not going to feel at the end of, of a Sunday, you know, th- there's just so little about your couch mm. uh, you know, that makes you really feel like what I want to do right now is I want to give up. And I want to go back yeah. to that gathering space. And so I was so proud of the people that, you know, started serving in that way. And then after, you know, having that service for a year or so, mm-hmm. you know, there was a group of people that started saying, like, we think we could do more with this time. Mm-hmm. You know, let's start really trying to make a specific effort to try to reach into some young people's right. lives. It is a nighttime church service after all. Yeah, And so... You know, it was like, okay, well, let's, you know, we should do cheap food for them, you know, kind of thing. And that takes work, you know, like that takes work. Somebody making the food, somebody Uh preparing it, somebody getting ready. And then it takes work helping to create that warm atmosphere and environment where people feel like they're loved and cared for, you know, like you got to extend yourself and talk with people. And, you know, like for a lot of us, we're 
super tired at the end of that day, you know? And yeah. to be like around and just loving mm-hmm. on people and stuff, it's costly. But do you want the fruit or do you want the clean right. life? You know, do you want the fruit or do you want the clean life? So, mm-hmm. you know, obviously within within reason, commit, you know, commit yeah. to the dirty stuff so that you Come can on. be part of the fruit. It's fun. That's good, man. That's good. You know, I've been asking you this whole time about kind of like more church culture oriented kind of mm-hmm. things that you like to see and things you're hoping for, but... Just to kind of wrap this up, Nate, do you have any word just for somebody who's made on like a church leadership position, but is trying to just maintain their home or trying to yeah, raise up some kids or take a step of faith in a new kind of work environment or something like that? Do you have any kind of thoughts just towards them about going forward in this kind of movement towards abundant crops and not just um, preserving the clean manger? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, on one hand, when I'm talking about a lot of this stuff, there's always that thing in the back of my mind about just Sabbath and rhythms and things like that, because that's another big element that I think a lot of people neglect in the modern world. They fill their lives up like crazy. They say yes to almost everything, and their lives become, you know, really overrun with activity Mm -hmm. that... Um, then keeps them from deep thinking, prayer, real relationships, and everything stays kind of on the surface because of all the activity. Yeah. And I realize some people are kind of like wired for that. You know, they're geared for that. I mean, even uh, I've got one, one of my daughters is kind of like that. You know, oh. she could just go, go, go. Yeah. Um, but the idea of Sabbath is obviously a biblical concept. Oh, yeah. And God even himself on that seventh day ceased, you know, from his work. So there is a sense in which there's some balance to what I'm talking about, you know, that, Hey, it's going to take work, but on the other hand, it is going to take rest. It is going to take rhythms and it is going to take routine. Mm -hmm. So I think maybe just a way that I would say it is, you know, each stage or each season of your life that you're in, Take a little bit of time to really think through what what is it that needs to be committed to mm-hmm. and what is it then that should not be committed to. Because if you don't think about that, then you're going to spend your time looking out at others, seeing all that they're doing, and just tell yourself, I should be doing that. Right. I want to have that. I want to be able to do those trips or have those experiences or be in those clubs or in those circles or whatever. And the truth is you might not, that might not be what the Lord has for you. Take some time to think about what are the things that I can give all of myself to Mm -hmm. or should give myself all all of myself to. And then how can that then, how can I then balance myself out? in the other areas so that I'm not allowing myself to be overrun, you know, but the reality is that's in a, in a sense, it's just life, you know, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be nuts. It's going to be busy. There's going to be a lot of things going on, but trying as, as best you can to get those routines and rhythms to be the Mary a little bit more than the Martha kind of thing. Thanks for joining us today in this conversation. 
for more articles and resources from Pastor Nate, please go to nateholdridge.com and search the archives. All of his articles are there. And while you're online, please share an episode of this podcast with a friend. We would love to see this podcast get into as many hands and ears as possible. And as always, tune in next week for a brand new episode from this show. But until then, God bless you guys. We'll see you soon. Thank you.